It is uh, December something, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 5th. Um, like, it's officially the Christmas season. Um, my family's in the midst of our annual Christmas movie marathon. We, uh, we, watched, we, we watched Christmas Story for the first time this year. The kids liked it, even though it's a silly movie. Um, we, what did we watch? So we watched that. We watched Home Alone already. Home Alone might be one of the best. Um, we watched, what else you seen, babe? Christmas Chronicles. It's a Netflix original. It's a new movie, but Kurt Russell may be the best Santa we've ever seen. Might be the best Santa that's ever been on film. But Christmas Chronicles, what else we watched, babe? The Grinch cartoon, maybe the best version of The Grinch. And last night we watched The Santa Claus of Tim Allen. And that, it's a funny movie with Tim Allen. He's a bad father in that movie. It's weird. He's mean to his kid. I'm like, not a great dad, Tim Allen. Um, in, in the movie, of course. Now, every year we do Christmas, Christmas, we have a lot of Christmas traditions in our home. We watch some movies during December. We... The Saturday Thanksgiving, we drive to a Christmas tree farm, walk into a field, find the tree we like. I chop that thing down with a saw, bring it home, we set it up, we decorate it. These are traditions we have as a family. The, the, the tree, the movies. On Christmas Day with Angie's family, well, whenever we do Christmas with her family, they listen to the same record every year. Some, what is that lady? I don't know, some lady. It's weird, it's a weird record. Um, they also, every year, they don't, eat lunch. What do you guys do? You, they eat appetizers. They, they, they snack until dinner. I often, if it's like during the week, I'll just go somewhere and buy food because it's just, it's just it's, I, I can't abide a meal that's not a meal. Um, we, have a lot, we, have, we have a lot of traditions. And, and some people, some people say that Christmas traditions are bad. They say that Christmas trees and Christmas carols and Christmas movies and Santa Claus, that these things, some would call them evil. Some would say they're bad. Um, I, I'm not on their team when it comes to that. I think as a family, you're allowed to enjoy silly things as traditions for your family. But one thing that I do say for us as believers in Christ is we do have to make sure in the midst of our festivities that we do remember what we're celebrating. It's very easy for the tree and the Santa and the presents to get bigger than Jesus. That, it's very easy that it happen. And so we try as a family to take time to really, how do you say it? We try to take time to rem remember Jesus Christ, remember his birth. And so this year here at Flood City Church, we're do going through, we call it the women of Christmas. Some of the women involved with the, sh the coming of of Messiah, the coming of the Christ. And today we look at the life of Mary. Mary is a, in Latin culture, one of the most common names among my people is Maria. Because Mary is, I mean, in the Catholic tradition, and most Mexicans are Catholic, um, there's a prayer that's given to Mary it's called the Hail Mary prayer. And we're going we're gonna to run into all that prayer in the next few weeks. Because a lot of it, not all of it, most of it comes from the text. Mary is renowned. Mary um, is famous. And we're going to see why together this morning. So we begin in verse 
26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The first point we're going to make today is the same point we made last week. Mary is a godly woman. It's going to be a theme you're going to see as we go through the women of Christmas. Is the women being called by God are women who love God very much and are seeking to follow him with their lives. Now, Mary is a younger girl in this, a younger woman. Um, in modern, the modern Western world, okay, marriage is getting pushed later and later and later. I mean, 30 is common for marriage, or, or, right? 30 is, that's when you kind of settle down, 30 years old? Well, back in the day, like, it was like right out of high school, people getting, like, high school sweethearts was kind of a normal thing, and that is kind of gone now. Um, Mary, in her world she lived in, um, would have probably been betrothed to Joseph. Scholars say between 16 and 19 years old, maybe even 15 to 19. We tell us it's like, holy, 15. But listen, back in, in, in that world, when a woman became of age, she got married very quickly. So Mary's betrothed this guy named Joseph. And being betrothed is kind of like a deepening of our tradition of engagement. Now, in America, engagement's a big deal, right? Engagement's not a light matter. Engagement, I remember one time I was in college, and a guy sat at the table, and uh, <laughs> actually, the story is really bad. Um, <laughs> There's a guy, he was a RA, which means he was in charge of like, keeping the laws on the floor. He was like, he worked for the man, and we were the troublemakers, and he kept us in line. Um, but he was up on, on 11, and we were down on 10. But he, this RA was, was known. He was known for being a stickler for the rules. Like, there was a rule at our college you couldn't key. Like, there was keys for the floors. Like, floor four, you had to key it to go there. So it was a security thing. So no stranger come into the elevator and go up to the floors. There was a rule you could not key two floors in a row. So if I keyed 10, you can't key 11. You have to get the stairs up one floor, right? That was the rule. If someone keyed 11 and an RA was on the elevator, they could say, we broke the rule, it's a $5 fine. And every fine an RA gave out went to his floor for their floor funds. So the more you find people, the better your Christmas party was that year. You understand? Well, this guy loved to find people for everything. He, his floor had the best Christmas parties of all time. One day, he, I was in the elevator, and he was there, I didn't care, I was in a mood. I keyed, even though 11 was hit and 9 was hit, I keyed 10. I was lazy, I didn't want to walk, up, walk down the stairs. And we're going up, he goes, $5 fine, Mr. Alanese. I was like, bring it, I don't care. So I get off the elevator, and I'm like, this stinking guy. So I decide I'm going to get this guy back, I'm going to prank him. So first thing I do is I get all the guys together, we get 500 pennies and put them on a tray. Like, I'll pay you in pennies, how you like that? But then, here's the, the great part of the prank. He had borrowed my neighbor's computer for the summer, and he had left all his files for the summer on the computer, including a bunch of the love letters he wrote to his girlfriend, his fiance. So we put off all those love letters and circled the best parts, like the cheesiest. You know how guys can be like, I love you so much. The sun rises, you know, when you call my name, like all this lame stuff. 
So we ser- so I print off all his love letters and we highlight the worst stuff he wrote. So I, and I put that underneath the pennies and I go to his floor and slide it underneath his door. Like, I got you. Like, here's your pennies and your love letters to make you feel embarrassed. So I go down to dinner. Down at dinner, I tell the story. Oh, man, I got so-and-so. I got RA11. I got him so good. Oh, what'd you do? I told him the pennies. And I got some letters from him and his fiance that I, I, I printed off. And he goes, dude, they broke up this morning. <laughs> and so my prank went from funny to really, really mean. Um, but he came by and he laughed. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. He sat down. He goes, it's okay. You didn't know. I, I felt really bad. But he sat down and we're sitting there. Everyone's, we all feel terrible. We're sitting there all awkward. And this is, this, is his, this is what he leads with. He goes, man, you guys. Next time I get engaged, dot, dot, dot. That sentence, you should never start a sentence that way. The next time I get engaged, I'll do it this way. Because even in America, engagement is a big deal. Engagement is a big deal. Calling one of those off is a big deal. I knew a guy once called an engagement two months beforehand, and they had the place all like picked out. They deposited on everything. Engagement in America is a big deal, right? Back then, it was even bigger of a deal. Back then, it was almost a legal contract. Betrothal, the families met. They came to terms. Literally, animals were exchanged. In that culture, being betrothed, I was in India once, and a lady who was betrothed to be married didn't show up for her wedding. And the the crowds began to, it sounds really bad, it is really bad, they began to beat the bride's family that was there. To smack them, slap them, yell at them, pour water on them. They had to run out of the party because everyone was mad at them. Because the bride broke betrothal, which you never, ever do. So Mary is betrothed to be, to, to be she's betrothed to Joseph. And it says a lot of times, it says, I mean, just, can't we just don't want to miss it. To a virgin betrothed, the virgin's name was Mary. I'm going to say something, I'm not going to stay here too long. The Bible does teach a sexual ethic. It does. There's no way around it. And a lot of people I know say, well, America's different than it was in early Israel. Listen, as long as there have been men and women, people have been breaking this command since then. I don't care if it's the 50s, the 20s, or the hundreds, you know what I'm saying? I don't care when it was. There's always the idea of God's way or the culture's way. And Mary in her life had decided, I'm going to do things God's way. And she had waited for her husband, and they were getting married on this day. So we find Mary, this godly woman, and I want to say this about her. The thing I want to say about her most is this. She's a young girl. Waiting to get married, she's waiting to start her life. A lot of people I know say this to me. They'll say, Ernesto, I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. I don't know what God has for me. That's a very normal thing. That's an okay thing to be. I had a buddy of mine who was a mentor, and I used to go sit at his feet down in Ohio all the time. And Pastor Steve Combs, I'd go and just hang out with him, and I'd listen to this wise man tell me about being a godly, godly person. And one day we're there, and he says to me, Ernesto, for the first time in my life, I'm do, I know I'm doing what God made me to do. He was 50 years old, and he finally found the lane. I guess what I'm saying to you is that it's okay not to know 
Like, I'm doing this, I'm providing for my family, I'm working a job, I'm doing stuff, but I don't know if this is what I was made to do. It's very easy to feel like, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? But I will say this. As you're waiting for what God has for you, in that period of waiting, be obedient to the Lord. In that period of waiting, live your life in obedience and honor to the Lord. I know some people who say, you know, when someday God gives me leadership, or God gives me a family, or God gives me the dream I want, then I'll start being a godly person. I th- well, I people think to myself, like, I know young people all the time who say, right now is my time to be young and wild. When I'm older, I'll calm down. But here's the thing. The foundation we build in the waiting is the person we are when the calling comes. I can't build years of a habit that when they say, now I'm going to change because we don't work like that as people. I can't say to my... Mary is waiting for her life to begin. As she's waiting for life to begin, she is faithful and obedient to the Lord. As you are walking, whatever it is, whatever season you're in, life is full of many different types of seasons. There's engagement, there's early marriage, there's young children, old children, graduated adult children. There's a period maybe where we're divorced or we're widowed. We have all these scenes of life that are unique, have these unique hardships to them. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I just want this season to be over, right? I remember when my kids were young, I used to say to my wife all the time, I can't wait for the kids to crawl. I can't wait for the kid to walk. But what I was was doing in that moment is I was so excited about what was going to come later, I wasn't living in the moment I had right now where God wanted to bless and to teach and to grow. As you wait for the thing God has for you. Mary was young. As she waited for life to begin, she was seeking and honoring the Lord. And I encourage you to do the same. She's a godly woman. Let us be godly as we walk. So this godly woman is there in Nazareth, and this is what happens. An angel comes to her and says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Um, that's not how you say hello to somebody. Greetings, God really likes you, you're the best. Angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. That name Jesus is Yeshua. It means The Lord saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary, you've been chosen. You're going to have a baby, and your baby is Messiah. 
the, Mary, the thing you've been praying for your whole life, the salvation from God you've been hoping for, you yourself will bear the answer. The thing you're asking God for, you will bring this answer into the world. You will have a son, and your son is going to be God's anointed savior. This is a big, this is, listen, we all hope our kids will grow up and do something cool. My kid will play football. Maybe my kid will be good at math. Or maybe my kid will be a good musician. My son right now, he, go, he plays the piano every day. He goes in the, in the, the dining room. And when I was home alone, it ended. He walked in the, in the living room or in the other room. And he just, with no notes, no YouTube, he just figures out the home alone song on the piano. Just, just do it. And I'm watching him just like a proud father, like, my son's a musician. He's, he got the ear for music. I don't got it. But he's got it. My dad had it, my brothers both have it, now my son's got it. I don't mind that I don't got it, because everyone else around me has it, it's great. But of all the things, like, like, we all want our kids to have, you know, giftedness, talent. But Mary's told Mary, your son, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to bear a son, and your kid is going to be Messiah. And in that, in that big moment, she asks a question. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Mary's a young girl, but she knows how things work. And she, she hears about what's happening. Here's what I want to talk about this, this moment in her life. Mary's a godly woman, but Mary also is a wise woman. God says, I'm calling, I've chosen you, I've called you, I have a plan for you. And she asks, God, how is this going to play? How is this going to work? And listen, this is not an evil thing to ask. Mary is not bad for asking this question. I mean, Mary's wondering, I'm going to have a child? My child's going to be Messiah? She probably wonders, is, 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 am I going to marry Joseph and he's going to be the dad? Maybe she's kind of scared. Maybe she thinks to herself, man, is it, is, is it, is it someone else? You're going to like, pick up this betrothal and go to some other guy? She's probably wondering, how, like, who's the dad going to be? Is it going to be in a year, five Probably just wants to know some of the details of the journey, you know what I'm saying? And that's not a bad thing. To, if God calls, it's not evil to ask, Lord, how does this work? When God calls to Flint City Church, and we had to come, we had to sell our house in Waterford, move to Flint, Michigan, we're like, how are we going to start this church? We had to, like, we had to learn, okay, we got to like file papers to have like a 501c3. We, um, we had no income at first. We had no, there was no people in the church at first. There was no tithes and offerings. So I had to like, work jobs. I, 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 during those, that first year, I, I traveled and spoke a lot. I'd go, I went to Dakota. I went all over the place speaking. I had to work in the schools, being a substitute teacher, just provide some income for our family. I had to do things to make sure we'd have enough money for our bills. Like, as we build this church... I must do the legal requirements. I must take care of the financial possibilities as, as in our home. I asked the question, Lord, you've called us to start this church, but what must we do to bring this into reality? That's not a dumb question. It's a wise question. Christ said, if someone goes to build a house, you should ask the question, how much will it cost to build the house? Count the cost. Think about what are you starting to do? I proposed to Angie, and she said she would marry me, and we get engaged, and we, we get married. And I remember the day of our wedding. I woke up in this cabin up in the tree farm, 
And I think to myself, man, I am, this day I'm going to pledge my life to this girl. This is a big deal. I asked the question, am I willing? I'm going to say all these words. Am I willing to, to live by them? And I, I, I was outside looking at the sky like, these are big words, man. I had a measure, am I willing to, to fight this fight? On a sillier, a much smaller scale, I was going to go, I moved to Flint, we bought a house. And I saw this contract for a house. They usually do, was it 30-year mortgages they do? 30 years! Dude, they do, they do, listen, I did a 15, because I'm like 30 years, I'm the old man then. I just, I'll do 15 years now. I have friends of mine buy cars and do like six-year, seven-year contracts. If I bought a car, so I had a seven-year contract, my kid would be in college. I still have the same car paying on it. It would be awful. When you sign a contract to pay something, you're saying, I commit to pay this bill every single month until it's gone. The other day, our kid, they told our kid we needed braces. And they're like, here's what it cost. This much up front, this month, every month. And I was like, are we going to do this? That's every month. We've got to pay that. So we had to work on our budget and figure it out. I can't sign the paper until I know I can afford to pay the payment. Mary asked the question, how will this be? God, you want me to be the mother of the Savior of the world? That's cool. How's it going to work? And I bet you in her wildest dreams, she never saw the answer coming. She probably thought it's probably going to be Joseph, and maybe if I'm unlucky, it'll be some other guy. In her mind, in her heart of hearts, no way could she expect what happened next. This is what happens next. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary, Joseph ain't the dad. There's no other Hebrew boy in town that's to be the dad. You're going to be pregnant, and there's going to be no earthly father. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary, what you're going to go through is something that no other woman in history has ever gone through. This is your path. He tells her, just, just so you know you can trust me, I already am moving pieces down the street. Your cousin Elizabeth has John the baptizer in her womb, and he's going to be the forerunner for your son. Now, if she's, now in that moment, she's told, you're going to be pregnant, and there's going to be no father. And she realizes what it means for her life. Her life is over in a hundred different ways. Our world in America is very different than it was back in the day. And the world Mary lived in, she knows what Joseph's going to do. She comes, she comes to her, her betrothed fiancé and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. What's he going to do? You cheated on me, I'm out. And she says, you don't understand, there was nobody. I mean... We all know how the world works. I mean, he, 
listen, ain't nobody believe in that girl's story. Nobody, right? right. Nobody. She's like, wow, my fiance is going to probably leave me. Everyone in town is going to think I'm not a godly woman. I'm going to be an unwed, single mother, and I'm going to be looked down on in this culture. In our culture, I think we've come to a place where we're not as judgmental. It's not, I guess our standards have changed. But back then, this was a death sentence. She was going to be an outcast to the good folk of the world. Okay, I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to dishonor. My family's going to feel dishonored. I'm going to have no stinking husband no more. No one's going to want me. She's like, oh my goodness. And so she, in, in, in the midst of all of that, knowing what it's going to cost, she says these words, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I may lose my future husband. And I may lose my reputation in this village. And no one may ever want to marry me after this. But if this is what you've called me to, I will walk this path. Mary is a godly woman, and she is a wise woman, and she is a brave woman. She's willing to endure that scorn, willing to endure that judgment. And sometimes following the Lord, no one understands what you're going through. Everyone's gonna, listen, everybody has an opinion. Everyone's got an opinion. Listen, every court case that happens in America, all, every, all of you, like we, in this room, what do we got? Salespeople, truck drivers, medical, education. Turns out, everyone's a lawyer. I didn't know it. Because we all know what the verdict should be and why, don't we? We all got an opinion. That guy was guilty. Like this law, I don't care, guilty. Or he, that guy was innocent. We're, we all got opinions about everything. And we have them about the big national stories, but we also got them about the little things too. When I decided to come to Flint, you don't think my family had an opinion on me moving back to the city? God might call you to do things that, that people don't understand, but you know God has given you permission, he's given you calling, and you walk into that. Even though friends and neighbors and family may judge or criticize or think poorly of you, if God's called you, the question, isn't, the question then becomes, do I trust him enough to take the scorn of the crowds, of my family, of my friends? And Mary was willing to take that scorn. She was willing. She didn't know how it was going to play. It could have gone really bad for her. And we know, thankfully, Joseph did try to break the betrothal. And he's such a good man, he was going to do it quietly. That, like, he could have been like, he could have gone around town, right? Man, everybody, my girl cheated on me. He could have he he gone on Facebook. Man, getting betrayed or something, right? 
He could have aired the laundry for the whole world and everyone felt bad for him. Oh, you're the victim. Poor Joseph. She did you wrong, buddy. But he decides, I'm going to take this hit. I'm going to quietly end the betrothal. And I'm getting out of here because I, got, I'm, I don't want to destroy her life. But man, she, she cheated on me and I'm, I'm hurt by this. And the only reason he ended up marrying her is because God sent an angel to that guy. And the angel said, and she ain't lying to you. He's like, oh, okay. Like, that, that's, it would take an angel to believe that, right? It would take an angel. Like, are you sure, angel? I'm sure. Okay, okay, all right. And he married her. And he raised her child. Free one for you. Joseph became the greatest stepdad of all time. So if you ever get called to be a step-parent, and everything you do, do to the glory of the Lord. If you get called to be a step-parent, be a step-parent to the glory of the Lord. Joseph raised a son that was not his own. He loved that kid. He fed that kid. He raised that kid. Mary did not know she's going to have a good husband. And listen. We know from the scriptures there's scandal sur surrounding those two. When Christ grows up, people like hint towards his childhood. Because everyone remembers she was pregnant before she should have been. Everyone, everyone can do math, right? Just for her getting married, five months later as a baby, they're like, wait, one, two, three, March, April. Like everyone does the math, right? And they probably all assume it was Joseph, Joseph Mary, naughty, naughty, didn't wait. Joseph's family goes, man, he wasn't even in town. Like, everyone's got an opinion. But Mary did not know, but Mary still trusted to obey. And sometimes when God calls, we don't know how it's... Sometimes the thing God has called us to, we don't see how it's going to work. We can't see how it's going to work. But God can provide a way. God does provide a way. And often, it's not the way we think it's going to go. Listen, Flint City... We've been six years old. We've been in five buildings. I we, we, we got our first building. We bought all our cases to fit that one building. And three months later, they're like, you can't meet in here anymore. And I was like, oh, dang. I spent all this money on this stuff for this place. Things don't go the way you want them to go, it's, and it's okay. When Angie and I first got married, our intention was to live in Chicago, work in a factory, be missionaries. Instead, God called us to be youth pastors at a, at a church in Waterford, which is pretty awesome. But not what we planned. Angie, after college, she planned to be a missionary, and everyone told her no, and she had to go swing a hammer for how many years, babe? Two years. Construction, construction crew, swinging a hammer, building log cabins in the Thumb of Michigan. Not what she had planned to do. Sometimes the path takes us a winding road. But if God has called, will you trust him? And as you're trusting, and as you're waiting, and as you're patient, and as you are wise, I'll say this one thing before we move on. If you're waiting for God to open the next chapter of your life, as you're waiting, don't go into debt. That's a free one for you. Because that might stop the next step. If I buy the sweetest car with the most brutal payments, then God's like, go to India. You'd be like, oh, 
but my stinking Cadillac. Like, you're stuck. With a, you can't leave. As you are godly, as you're waiting, as you are wise, when God shows the way, the question is, will you be brave? Will you trust him and walk through the door? Mary, was, was, she was available when God called. There's this thing, people, people go say all the time. People just say that availability is more important than giftedness. And a lot of people I know push against that. But I'm going to tell you something. I know some gifted people. There are some pastors I have known in my life that are gifted. They're brilliant. They're gifted. They preach like monsters. But sin destroyed their lives. They weren't obedient to the Lord. They lost everything. Availability is a big deal. So I encourage you, church, be brave like Mary was brave. Be wise like Mary was wise. And be godly like Mary was godly. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, we pray for our teachers who work hard, long hours, toil without much help. Encourage their hearts, O oh Lord. We pray for our medical workers, nurses and doctors who have to meet with patients who patient their patient argue and make it hard to help. Lord, we pray for the families of those in Oxford who mourn the loss of their children siblings of their innocence. We pray for those in this room who are waiting on an answer from you, O oh Lord, who are, living, who are living their lives faithfully, waiting for that next step. Help us to wait in a godly fashion. So, Father in heaven, we love you and we need you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who washes away all our sins. In Christ, and we ask these things. Amen.